It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Let's pretend that I've committed a premeditated murder and the target was my old pal, Bob. But don't fret, my friend. I'm sure you'll get an invisible invite to the fictional funeral of this imaginary man. Was his killing perfect? Yes. Did it look natural? Of course. Was it a bloody death in which Bob was pumped full of helium and popped like a large lardy balloon? or bum-fed first into a wood chipper as his minced-up entrails were splattered along his wall in Morse code, which read, This was an accident. Honest. No. I killed him in the dullest way possible. By lacing his pizza with an untraceable poison which was only toxic to his body. A salad leaf. Will this murder be talked about? Will books be written about it? Will the salad leaf killing of Bob become the latest hit podcast series which true crime fans will endlessly drone on about even though it's not actually good? No. But then, that was the point. As the hard part isn't the murder, the real challenge is to get away with it. So in this final part of this four-part series, I shall attempt to ensure that I'm never suspected or arrested for the hypothetical murder of a fictional idiot called Bob. And soon, that cakey Eva portrait will be mine. <sighs> My name is Michael. I am a murderer. And this is How to Get Away with Murder. Part 4. Clean Up and Escape. Dear friends, I regret to inform you that last week, Bob died. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo. He was 40 years old, but he didn't look a day over 68, or maybe 69. He leaves behind a dirty sofa, the washing up, and a basket of unwashed underpants. He will be sorely missed by Iqbal Luigi Singh, the owner of Pizza Schmucks, who may have to hock his diamond-encrusted pizza cutter and to sell off his pepperoni-covered Bentley. As with Bob's pizza app now silent, Luigi's cash cow has gone to the big abattoir in the sky. Literally. Bob died peacefully, inverted commas, doing what he loved best, dribbling, snoozing, and slubbing about, gorging on brainless shite on his telly box, while scratching his ass adjusting his dangle fruits and feeding an endless conveyor belt of pizza slices into his gob using that very same hand. Ugh! His death was quick 
natural and unremarkable. So much so that when the police, fire and ambulance arrive, the main thing they will do is notify his next of kin and not initiate a criminal investigation. If I'm smart, no one need ever know that this was a murder. But sadly, there are some killers that just aren't that smart. In fact, when they were finally caught, it wasn't the diligence of a detective which led to their arrest. Often, it's their own stupidity and arrogance which trips them up first. For example, Voltraud Wagner, an Austrian killing spree nurse who openly bragged about her murders whilst drinking in a restaurant and was overheard by a doctor who worked at the same hospital. Charles Schmidt, the Pied Piper of Tucson, and Richard Beigenwald, the thrill killer, decided to treat their pals by showing them the corpses they had killed. Quite rightly, their disgusted friends called the police. Desperate to become notorious, Maury Travers sent a computer-generated map of his victims' burial sites to reporters. Only the file also led the police to his home address. Having flushed the hacked-up remains of three victims down his toilet, Dennis Nielsen notified his landlord that his drains were blocked and requested that a plumber investigate the cause. Cheyenne Antoine strangled her best friend Brittany to death using her own belt. The belt was found at the murder scene and in a selfie taken by the victim and the killer just hours before the murder, Cheyenne was seen wearing that very same murder weapon around her waist. Jodie Arias took photos of herself and her ex-boyfriend after she had stabbed him to death in the shower. Only she left the camera and the photos on the washing machine of his house. Randy Kraft, a.k.a. the scorecard killer, was carting a freshly murdered corpse beside him in his car when he was stopped by a police officer on a routine traffic stop for performing an illegal lane change and for being a full three miles an hour over the speed limit. And more bafflingly of all, LA gang member Anthony Garcia had evaded the police for four years, having murdered a liquor store owner until he was arrested for a minor traffic violation. When his mugshot was taken, police noticed a very elaborate tattoo on his chest, which was a very detailed depiction of the robbery and the murder which he had permanently inked onto his body for life. What an idiot. As a rule of thumb, if you want to get away with murder, don't be a dickhead about it. Just act like it's a boil on your bottom or an unsightly stain by your crotch and keep stum. But even the best laid plans can go bad. So, what if Bob realised that the pizza guy was me? What if he choked on the salad leaf? What if the tearing sound I heard was his sweaty blubbering bulk actually separating from the sofa and being so shocked at the sight of him standing upright, which was only possible as the calcified sweat down his back had formed into a makeshift spinal brace and although his leg muscles had withered away like the last two chicken drumsticks in a party bucket, several decades worth of cola splashes had actually hardened like seaside sticks of rock. As we wrestled to the death, with Bob angry, but always keeping one eye on the telly, as the world's craziest celebrity patio makeover home video accidents from hell on ice was on, 
and me dodging drink cups and urine pots with one foot in a bowl of old spag bol, another in a congealed bowl of custard, and awkwardly standing, as being so close to my prized portrait of lovely Eva, gently teasing me with a jammy mouthful of Badenberg. It is difficult to wrestle an angry sweaty man whilst you've got an erection. It was then that I accidentally slit his throat with a pizza cutter and maybe kicked his bonce about the bedsit a bit whilst playing keepy-uppy and using his lampshade as a basketball hoop. Now, that didn't happen. But if it did, how do you dispose of a brutally massacred corpse in a regular domestic house? If you listen to too much true crime, you may think, oh, that's easy. But it isn't. The average house isn't equipped with the tools for a full-body disposal. We don't all have axes, chainsaws, flamethrowers, wood chippers, and 200 gallons of sulfuric acid. And if we did, the police might see that as premeditation. So let's get realistic. Can you dispose of a body in a house? Well, no. Unless you own a crematorium, you can't fully incinerate a corpse in a conventional gas oven, as although it takes roughly 10 hours to ruin a turkey, it's still edible enough given enough cranberry sauce. You could eat the body, but as the average person contains 30 to 40 pounds of muscle, and most people consume roughly 70 to 100 pounds of meat a year, a corpse would take you at least six months to eat. You could put the flesh in a blender, but as they're only designed for fruit and not muscle or sinew, its one-horsepower motor would burn out before you've even minced half a forearm. You could burn it on a bonfire, but burning bodies smell really bad. And unless it's Guy Fawkes night, a backyard fire looks suspicious, like you're destroying tax records or maybe pornography. You can't dissolve a body in acid, as the strongest acid that most houses have is bleach which only makes the skin a little whiter, like Bob's worn Factor 50, or a little redder, like he hasn't. That said, a car battery does contain two liters of sulfuric acid, but that's barely enough to dissolve a jaw. Although, sugary drinks can dispose of the teeth within a week. Enjoy your Coke. On the flip side, unless you own an old house or a time machine, you can dissolve a body in an old tin, copper or ceramic bath, but not in a modern bath, as they're made of hardened plastic. Unless you were gifted a sausage maker by an ex-butcher, the best kitchen tools you can chop up a body with is a meat knife, a potato grater or the garlic press you bought but never used. Unless you're a carpenter or a gardener, the only tools you'll probably own is a tiny hacksaw, a hammer, a mower a leaf blower, a drill, an allen key, and a selection of screwdrivers which fit nothing. You can't flush a body down the toilet, as most modern bogs get blocked any time you unleash a big jobby or use too many turd wipes. So how is it expected to cope with a bit of bicep? Don't vacuum up the body bits, as the bag will look like a horror version of The Wizard of Oz. Don't bury it in the garden, especially as Bob only has a window box. Don't bury him under the floorboards, especially if he lives in a top floor flat. Don't put his chopped up bits out for the bin men to collect, 
as you know how much they love to moan when you put garden leaves and twigs in the recycling bin. And finally, don't walk his corpse around town like you're making a piss-poor remake of the 1980s comedy Weekend at Bernie's. As let's be honest, it only had one joke and the film was shit. In short, it's almost impossible to fully dispose of an entire human body inside of a regular domestic house. Admit it, we're barely equipped to cope with a blocked sink, a leaky tap, a duff socket or a bit of a lump in the carpet. But thankfully, Bob died as I expected him to. He opened his gob, shoveled the pizza in and swallowed. To be honest, I could have slathered a grenade in curry sauce or dipped his own head in whipped cream and chocolate sprinkles and he'd still have found a way to eat it. As planned, Bob's death looked natural. He will be found slumped on the sofa in front of the telly with an endless conveyor belt of food being fed into the huge chomping hole in his face. There are no signs of injury, assault, interference or poison. So naturally, they will assume that he choked. But how do I ensure that his death definitely looks natural and that the police don't suspect someone else was involved? Here's a few possible suggestions which may work a treat. Imply that he's savouring a session of single man sexy time by sticking one of his hands down his pants, making him grin, and for shits and giggles, pausing the telly on old lady aerobics. Dress him up like a crappy cowboy, with a dodgy moustache, outstretch his arms, and make out that he died halfway through an overindulgent rendition of YMCA by the village people. Suggest that he's a doomsday occultist, by giving him a tinfoil hat, daubing his wall with today's date, and the message, Tell the Quigong I'm coming home, in silvery paint, as because we all know, all aliens love 1970s camp, and by removing any hint of a social life beyond rambling on internet forums like a massive loon. Alternatively, I could dress him like a Nazi or any big old racist, and then no one will give a shit if he is dead. To be honest, courtesy of some seriously, if slightly fictional, research and surveillance by myself, Bob's ordinary clothes, his home life and his lifestyle perfectly match his method of death, so nothing needs to be added, unless I wanted to dob someone else in for my crime. So I could suggest he was whacked as a mafia stool pigeon by placing his hands over his mouth, giving him a stupid nickname, making him wear a t-shirt which reads Hey, forget about it. And draw up a list of crimes that he claims to have committed, but hasn't. As gangsters are 100% A-grade bullshit. Imply it's the work of a serial killer by copying their method, whether a unique rope knot, a not-so-clever disguise, or by leaving behind a complimentary box of chocolates and a calling card which reads, Dear Bob, it was nice to kill you. Best wishes. Gary the Garotta. Confuse the investigation by sending clever red herrings from the alleged killer to the police. Such as, I met Bob in 1982. I visited his home every day. And really subtle hints like, Bob lost me my job when I delivered a 12-inch pepperoni pizza instead of his usual 16-foot meat feast. 
stall the investigation by setting up your own inquiry, demanding answers. And better still, if the murder occurs during an election, a sleazy politician will almost certainly jump to champion the case, only to then be charged themselves with historical crimes, and the whole case will be dropped. Alert the tabloid press to a likely suspect. You don't need to provide a single shred of evidence, as they know full well that their readers have the IQ of a deformed boiled turnip. So as long as you have a photo of this weirdo looking a bit shifty, that'll seal the deal. Your Honor, the Court of Public Opinion rests. Create a bullshit Jack the Ripper style myth about it as all facts will be lost forever the second that every Mad Jack McLooney comes up with yet another ludicrous theory or myth in order to sell a book or to draw attention to their pathetic little lives. In this case, I will say that Bob was killed by the Masons. Why not? And finally, consider bribing a policeman. I mean, I know they're all honest, but occasionally... Hello, hello, hello. My name is Police Constable Arsenal. Oh, wait, hang on. Scratch that. Uh, call me Sergeant Sam Miguel Everton. And I resent the implication that any of us boys in blue can be bribed. But if you're buying, mine's a pint. Oh, whoops. Some Arsenal season tickets seem to have fallen into my pocket. And I'll need to confiscate those saucy photos you have of lovely Pippa Middleton. Oh, it's a bit dark in here, isn't it? I think the light will be better to view these photos in the toilet. Mm. Or I could just blame any one of Bob's friends or neighbours by simply stealing their DNA. Now that might sound difficult, but it isn't. As every single day, we leave traces of our DNA in hundreds of different places as the average person touches 140 different objects every day. These can range from surfaces, handles, walls, doors, switches, clothes, transport and other people. Not to mention the DNA that we all unconsciously leave behind in bathrooms, cafes, barbers, changing rooms, shoe shops, jewellery stores, doctors, hospitals or dentists. Whether by touching, sneezing, coughing, brushing by or simply breathing. Think about this. The Golden State Killer was arrested using the DNA from a single disposable coffee cup. So I could easily scatter a half-eaten sandwich found in a bin, a smelly sock left in a laundry, or a manky earwax-coated cotton bud at the scene to implicate someone else. But I won't, as that would cause the police to investigate this as a murder, which is exactly what I don't want them to do. But what if I have left some DNA behind? Maybe a hair, a print, or a long line of frothy dribble and a spatter of love hummus by the cakey Eva porn. Mmm. What should I do to hide my filthy Mickey man muck? Here's my tips. Don't disguise any smells with bleach, joysticks, perfumes or scented candles, as it will look like I've been having a romantic night in and possibly some sexy time with Bob's corpse. Don't dab at my man spillage with a wet cloth, as the second I make a single tiny clean spot in Bob's shit tip, it'll stick out like a dollop of bird crap 
on the bonnet of a brand new black BMW, which is no bad thing. Don't set fire to the flat, as arson is for assholes, unless you disguise it as a bullstar barbecue by placing by Bob a liter of fuel, a bundle of sticks, and a little sausage perched on a fork. Now these are all really terrible ideas. But they are the most obvious ways the murderers tried to clean up a crime scene. Each one would erase the evidence, but they all point to the involvement of a third party. But there are a few ways to eradicate any viable DNA at a crime scene without you even being there or anywhere near. Number one, Bob's bedsit is such a sugary health hazard that every time you breathe in, you ingest 2,000 calories. So simply open the window. And let the rats, flies, and maggots enjoy the feast. Yum. Number two, after he's dead, anonymously call for an ambulance. That way, the police, paramedics, and the fire brigade, who are there to cut him away from his sticky sofa, will trample everywhere, erasing everything. Number three, put up a sign outside his bedsit which reads "Free stuff," and like a swarm of tracksuit-wearing locusts. His neighbors will nick literally everything, and probably even Bob. Problem solved. Number four: fill the bedsit with batteries, wires, gas canisters, and copies of Conspiracy Nut Monthly, and then call the bomb squad. If it looks lethal enough, they'll blow it all sky high. Or number five: you can just wait for the usual band of dickheads who see a crime scene. Ignore the police tape, and argue with the exasperated officer whilst whinging. Why are you pigs always such fascists? All I want to do is take a few selfies with the corpse. Don't you know I've got 62 followers on Instagram? You can always trust other people to be complete assholes. And let's be honest: if an asshole leaves his DNA at a crime scene and then is arrested for my crime. That's a bonus for civilized society, right? So, Bob is dead. His death looks natural, and his bedsit doesn't look like a crime scene. Yay! Well done, me. So, now that is all done and dusted, when should I call the police? When? Never. Here is a simple list of idiotic things which trip up almost every serial killer and murderer, all the bloody time. Don't call the police and tell them, "Hello, I found a body." As if you do, I might as well walk into the police station dragging Bob's corpse behind me whilst wearing a T-shirt which reads "Suspect Number One." Don't send bereavement flowers to his family, as they may be allergic to pollen. They may not like flowers. And oh, more importantly, they may not be aware that Bob is dead. Spoilers! Don't wail outside Bob's bedsit, sobbing copiously. Why? Why? Why did it have to be Bob? He was so young and beautiful. He had so much to live for. Because, as we all know, he didn't. Bob was about as beloved and healthy as a cinema hot dog. But at least he contained meat. Don't put up missing posters, as he's not missing. It looks suspicious, and he's not a cat. Don't film or photograph Bob's murder, as he's not very photogenic, 
I always ruin every shot by leaving a finger in to linger over the lens. And as you know, it's irrefutable evidence, dickhead! Don't celebrate Bob's death. Don't buy a cake, candles or champagne. Yes, I can raise a little toast to myself in private. That's fine. But don't organise a street party with fireworks blasting across the city sky and spelling out the words, Bob is as dead as brown bread and I done it, woohoo. Don't go on a spending spree. Or in my case, drooling over Eva whilst rubbing Madeira cake into my fat naked body like I'm a bald pasty version of Demi Moore in Indecent Proposal. Don't go on a TV talk show and pretend to be the real victim of the tragedy on the very day that I've conveniently published a book called Bob's Murder and How I Got Away With It. If the police ask me to do a press conference, say no, as I'll know then that I'm their number one suspect. Don't move away the day after the murder, claiming to have an allergy to death. And don't taunt the police with any clues to my identity only to then look shocked when I'm arrested. And more importantly of all, <laughs> and this is too painful to say, don't keep any souvenirs. That means no heads, no hands, no teeth and no trinkets. Don't nick a celebratory cheese sarnie from the fridge if I feel a little bit peckish, or try on his Batman pants, as I know they were once seen as cheesy, but now they've got a real kitsch value as everything I steal will lead directly back to me as the culprit. So as much as I want to, need to, and every ounce of my soul wants me to steal it, I have to leave behind the sultry cakey fresco of the lovely Hollywood siren, Eva Green, devouring a mini Battenberg in a way which makes me wish that I had died and was reincarnated as a cake. <sighs> So this is a waiting game. But if I'm patient, it may pay off. My hope is that Bob's legal guardians will either sell off, auction, or bin most of his personal possessions. And then Cakey Eva will legally be mine. Oh, mine! But until then, I must weep. But what if I am suspect number one? What should I do? Here's my top tips for when Police Constable Arsenal Guinness drains his last can, finishes his hand shandy, and gets down to some work for once. 1. Don't deny knowing Bob. Because as previously discussed, Bob and I have a long provable history together. And like most morons who commit murder, we also have matching tattoos. 2. Don't mutter... No comment. To all of the police's questions. As although I'm legally allowed to, I'll look as guilty as if I'd just said, I didn't do it, officer. Honest. Having then just tapped my nose and winked. Three. Don't ask the sergeant, What's for dinner, chief? Or, Can you pick up my pillow? It's hypoallergenic. As if I look like I'm bedding in for the long haul, they'll know they've got their man. Four. Don't ask them to retake my mugshot as I try to perfect my bad boy image and then grumble about how this is going to be a piss poor cover photo for my biography and then ask if they can call David Bailey. And five, don't give them a P.O. box number so that when I'm banged up 
Loads of loony ladies can send me love letters in which they constantly complain that they never seem to be able to date anyone nice. Oh, the mystery. I mean, the list just goes on. But as a rule of thumb, don't be a dick about it. We've all seen enough true crime shows to know that if you're sitting in a police station wearing a rapey grey tracksuit with a stupid tattoo which reads Killer for Life, a look on your face which warrants a slap, a muttering No comment to simple questions like What's your name and would you like a cup of tea? then you're probably as guilty as sin. Whereas if you're cooperative, seemingly truthful, and not acting like a tit, you'll probably be released. If I am arrested and charged with Bob's murder, luckily the conviction rate for murder in England and Wales is pretty low. According to the Office of National Statistics, of the 712 homicides in 2018, only 163 suspects were charged with an average conviction rate of between 17 and 33%. And even before those cases went to court, 3% of suspects had either died or committed suicide. And post-trial, 79% of suspects were found guilty, 14% were acquitted, and 4% were convicted of a lesser offence. But how many of these were well-researched, premeditated murders for the very worthwhile cause of some cakey Eva porn? rather than just some bloke giving me a bit of a funny look. Probably none. So, let us return to where we began, with one big question. How possible or impossible is it to get away with the perfect murder? We all assume, having consumed one too many true crime shows, which cherry-pick a few scant details of a six-year investigation and then boil them down into handy half-hour-sized chunks. The killing is a bit of a doddle. But for the average person, like you and me, it wouldn't be. Mentally, we'd be a mess. Physically, we'd shake like a leaf. And psychologically, we'd be broken for life. Throughout every step of the planning, the research and the execution, We would stall, fumble, panic. And even though I have the perfect alibi to aid my escape, the being a fat, bald man in his mid-forties, I'm entirely invisible to women, most men, but thankfully not dogs. I'd either have given up, got bored, handed myself in, or been arrested for looking suspicious before I've even entered Bob's flat. To conclude, unless you're a criminal mastermind, a remorseless killer, a fictional character, or the kind of arrogant, self-obsessed douchebag who doesn't understand that every problem is solvable, every solution is negotiable, and every positive action takes vastly more effort than a negative action. If you're willing to put in the time to try and make it work, it'll be better for everyone. Getting away with anything illegal, let alone murder, is next to impossible. So why bother? Why waste the few years or decades you have left on this earth fuming over something unimportant? When you could savor the simple life, being happy with what you have, content with what you don't have, and best of all, that no one, including myself, yourself or Bob, will end up dead. Hello, my name is Bob. I am Mike's fictional friend who is very much alive and I approve of this message. 
Oh, and if anyone is on the lookout for a rather lovely, non-dribble-coated, man-hummus-free cakey portrait of Hollywood sex bomb Eva Green, clutching a range of Mr. Kipling's finest cakes, swoon, then apparently they sell them on eBay for £10. I know, who knew? Next time, I'll do my research first. And that is the end. Thanks for listening, folks. Teddy bye. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to part four and the final part of How to Get Away with Murder. Next week, you'll be delighted to know that your regular Murder Mile episodes will return. A big thank you to my new Patreon supporters, who are Tony Inglis, Sarah London, and Keisha Blackstone. I thank you all muchly. I hope you all entered the very exclusive competition on Patreon, and that you are now the proud owners of a very exclusive Murder Mile keyring. Plus a thank you to everyone who leaves lovely comments when you download the freebies like ringtones, quizzes and ebooks in the Murder Mile merch shop. There's a link in the show notes. I do read all of the comments and they are all very much appreciated. Next up is Extra Mile. Murder Mile was researched, written and performed by myself with the main musical themes written and performed by Eric Stein and John Books of Cult With No Name. Thank you for listening and sleep well. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. That was that. Pop a light on. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. Oh. Hello, everyone. 
extra mile time we're back we're back that was that that was the final part of uh thingamajig how to get away with murder that's all done which was good oh let's let's get me a cup of tea on let's do my tea now while i'm thinking about it uh let's pop oh let's see how much water i've got hang on uh needs more it's just a just a splash just a splash I was racing to try and get this done because there's a couple of boats immediately opposite trying to get their water. And I was like, oh no, they're gonna, they're gonna start making a lot of noise. It's, oops, hang on. Didn't think the gas was on. Oh, right, that goes in. Bit of sugar. There we go. Job done. Oh, lovely, right, I'm back, I'm back. I almost moved the recording equipment near the kitchen because I've got a little desk in the kitchen. I thought, oh, I'll pop it on there and we can, I can do all that extra mile from there. That'd be good. But it was really echoey. The second I put it there, everything seemed really echoey. So it was really weird. And I was trying to put a big sheet over me today to make it even better. So the sound's even better. But it's, uh, I think we're at our maximum now. I've now got... Um, uh, two very large sponges above the microphone, two big yellow uh, ones that you use for like cleaning cars. I've put them above the microphone, so hopefully that helps. Just trying to dampen the sound, make it sound better. So what's going on in the world? What's going on? Um, uh, it's cold at the moment. It's bloody cold at the moment. Uh, I've got my winter socks on, which is very nice. I, I can't remember who sent them, but it was about a year, year and a half ago. Maybe two years ago, someone very kindly sent me some uh, some. Uh, socks made of old jumpers which are really nice i'm still wearing them they're my they're my uh, uh winter writing socks so they're very nice so i'm wearing those uh what else is going on uh not a lot at the moment uh it's just cold it's so cold i made a nice stew yesterday and because i haven't got a fridge i just put the stew outside on the window uh and uh, it's nice and cold this morning, which is good. So it's that time of year where I don't need a fridge anymore. Or like yesterday, I bought some beers and popped them on the roof. And an hour later, nice and cold. Yay. That's the problem with not having a fridge in summer. I go, oh, well, I'll go and have a beer. And uh, I go to the shops and then I, I think, oh, I'm going to buy some ice. And then people who own houses go off and buy all the ice bags because they want to put it in an ice bucket. Bastards. Because those of us who don't have a fridge, oh, I'm like, but you can make ice cubes yourself. Go and make your own bloody ice cubes. And they go, no, we'll pick up. Oh, Steve, pick up a bag when you go to Tesco's. It's like, oh, you bastards. And I get there and all like people having a barbecue or at a picnic and they get the ice bags. And then people like me who don't have a fridge don't get anything. Anyway, it's winter time, so I don't care now. We can just pop stuff out. What else is going on? Uh, research is going well for the next 10 episodes. That's all good. Uh, I think I've done I've done the bulk of it now, about 90%. I'm just now going through all of the episodes and just filtering through all the information, trying to trying to work out what bits I, I haven't quite got and what I need to find. And uh, yeah, so but they're all they're all coming together nicely. They're all looking good. They're all very different episodes. Um, uh, the reason why it takes so long to do them is because I always start. I always think it's best to start from square one. I th- I'll mention this before, but I think if I think if you already know a case or you've already read something, then you approach it having learnt what someone has already told you about it, and I think that can be problematic. Whereas for me, I I prefer to just go, okay, what's it about? And you open it up, and then you have to start digging. And uh, it was yeah, like even the first episode, kind of, uh, it's based on a, a a memorial, and kind of 
I was like instantly my brain was like okay yeah but what's the what's the story behind the memorial what 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 am I not being told here so that's when I started digging and that's when I started I started because there was very little information about it I started thinking to myself hmm okay so how would how would each of these people know what we're being told here and I think it makes for an interesting story I think the first one back will be uh quite interesting let's let's do me tea uh pop that in let it stew switch the light off save some power have a little bit of a window open get some air uh so yeah i think that's coming on well and yeah some of the other episodes are oh, really interesting yeah the, the great thing is there's very little books about the things that i'm i'm going to be doing episodes on so i i think that's a risk i think if you pick up a book and just start going through it there's a risk of plagiarizing the whole book and it, it's also a book is someone's perspective on a case whereas i think it's better to find your own perspective uh but yeah but some of the ones coming up there's literally nothing there's no books there's no news articles some of them don't have archive files so i've really had to start at the very bottoms which is why it takes so long which is why I need things like uh, how to get away with murder to give me time to kind of catch up. Um, gives you a choice. You can make the choice whether to listen to how to get away with murder or not, or these episodes. I know some people don't listen to it. That's fine. That's your choice. But I'd rather I'd rather put something out there and have something interesting and different and a gear change as well. Do you know, something silly like this is a good gear change. Because I think if I put out an extra mile every single week, it's, I, I find the same with some podcasts. You get bored after a while. It's like, oh, it's the same fucking thing every week. I think it's better if, if I put in a gear change like this and you go, oh, okay, something different. And then you try that. And then when you come back to uh, Murder Mile, proper Murder Mile, you go, oh, oh, yeah, I remember what it was like. Yeah, I remember why I missed it now. So I think I think it's important for me anyway. Anyway, very excited about the new uh, uh, case Kizzy's coming up. So let's let's just do some questions. Oh, wind again. I got wind. Cheese on toast. Really bad idea. So here's some questions. Only six of them, but uh, we'll do the answers very shortly. So here we go. Question one. Uh, LA gang member Anthony Garcia had what tattooed on his chest? Question one. Anthony Garcia had what tattooed on his chest? What an idiot. Uh, question two. The average person touches how many different objects every day? Uh, obviously, that's more for me because Eva makes me make all of her cocktails and things like that. And I, obviously, um, I have to carry a lot of her pairs of shoes around all day. So that's probably a couple of thousand thing, objects I have to touch. Uh, question three. What caused Charles Schmidt and Richard Begenwald to be arrested? That could even be said. Who caused Charles Schmidt and Richard Bagenwald to be arrested? Um, question four. The average person contains how much muscles? That is not a well-written question. The average person contains how much muscle in weight? You could just say meat if you like. No, that's not the answer, but instead of muscles, you could just say meat. Uh, question five. How much meat does the average... How much meat does the average non-vegetarian person eat every year? Uh, question six. How much can you buy an Eva Cakey Porn portrait for on eBay, apparently? Right. So there's your questions. I'll come back and do those shortly. Oh, uh, what else are we doing? I kind of run out of things to say, to be honest. Uh, oh, I can do my tea. Tea. 
Um, there we go. Oh, I left that. Oh, I left the spoon over too long, and now the spoon is bloody hot. Oh, ow, 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 ow. That is hot. Hot. So hot. Uh, so that's good. What cake are we on today? Um, I thought I'd go simple today. I'm going for a regular kind of ring donut. Um, I never used to. The ones from Tesco's aren't never used to be particularly good, but I don't know whether someone has complained to them or something because they used to be a bit stodgy and a bit kind of thick and you know bland and ugh, and I kind of avoided them for ages. But in the last year, they've kind of changed their recipe and the ring donuts now are quite nice. They're a little bit lighter. They're not as nice as the ones you get at like a, a fair or something where they dunk them in. Where they're made in front of you and they're hot and you go, oh, 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 ha, 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 and they're all covered in, in sugar and you have to eat them within the first, you have to eat all 10 of them within the first couple of minutes. Otherwise they go cold and they go really crappy and floppy. But if you eat them hot, oh, they're delicious. Anyway, I've got a ring donut today. Nothing inside, nothing on top. Not hard. It's one of those soft ones. Nice. That's all going very good. Very good. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, oh, last week's Murder Mile went well. We did we did uh, the last week's Murder Mile walk, so that was very good. Uh, that was the first one back. Um, so thanks to everyone who attended that one. We we keeping the numbers down to about ten people. Uh, I'm not allowing groups more than six to come along because that's the rules at the moment. Um, I'm making sure that everyone stays at least a meter apart. They stay in their little bubble. Uh, uh, everything was sanitized beforehand I allow people that they can take badges have badges if they want to but they can say no as well we try and keep the streets clear there's some locations we can't get to so we have to stand a bit far back uh, I, I was trying to do it with my mask on last time but it was a oh, worst day to do it it was like a storm Alex had come in so it was torrential rain uh, right throughout uh, and it was really noisy and when it when it's torrential rain the sounds of traffic going past or any noise literally if I'm talking that sound is dropped by about a third uh, and then the sounds of traffic is increased by a third as well so everything's hard to hear so I had my mask on at the start and I was like trying to do it and I was like can anyone hear me and they were like kind of so I, what I had to do was I had to take off the mask and then I, instead of being two meters away I, I decided to do three to f four meters away so uh yeah so uh, but it was weird it's, so so we did it we kept to the rules we kept it I, i'm hoping it'll be a nice day this weekend so i can keep the mask on um we all kept a distance but it was weird it was kind of at the start i'm used to kind of shaking people's hands and saying hi but because uh, it was torrential everyone was hiding away uh, to, to stay dry but also was, i couldn't shake anyone's hands which, which was really weird so I couldn't shake their hands at the start, couldn't shake their hands at the end. And I'd forgotten how to take a photo at the end as well. I, f I haven't done it in six months, like take a group photo. And also I'd forgotten that everyone needs to be socially distanced. So we took a photo and everyone was like, quite rightly, a metre to two metres apart, which made for a big photo. But there was only 10 people in it. And I couldn't work out how to, oh, anyway, I'm going to work that out this week. So by the time you all have heard this, I would have worked it out. So that's all good. Ah... I think that's it. I don't think you've got a lot going on at the moment. A bit quiet. Uh, let's let's do the answers to the questions and let's see how they go. Uh, hang on. Okay, answers to the questions. Uh, question number one. LA gang member Anthony Garcia had what tattooed on his chest? 
The answer was an elaborate tattoo depicting the robbery and murder he had committed. It's very interesting. If you just type in LA gang, gang member Anthony Garcia tattoo, go and have a look at it. You can see a picture of him. He's standing there in his mugshot. He's trying to look all cool about it. But it's like, oh, you dickhead. It's like his whole chest is, is it's nicely done. It's like, it's like, it's like a, a cartoon. But it's like every single detail is on there. And you just think you absolute bellend. No wonder you're wasting your life as a gang member. Because you haven't got a single ounce of brain power to go, you know what, I'm not going to get a tattoo on my chest of all of my crimes. Freaking idiot. Jesus. Although, as, as we say right at the start, the problem with people who are murderers is a lot of them are re- a bit thick. And that's why they commit murder. Because they really don't have a lot of brain power. Uh, question two. Brain power to kind of negotiate or talk or just just have, you know, common sense. <sighs> that was the, if he didn't get it, that was the message of how to get away with murder is that it is almost impossible to get away with murder. And do you know what? You can just talk to people. If you got a problem, just talk to them. Just try and negotiate. Just try and find a way around it. And do you know what? no one wants to end up dead the way you can do it is just go hey let's let's try and resolve it and the best thing to do is compromise because most people don't want to give up a little bit of ground but if you do, people don't want to give up all the ground but if you give up a tiny bit of ground each you'll meet a compromise and that's how negotiation works whereas people who commit murder pff, why do they do it they do it because they can't co- compromise they can't they they want everything their way so blah. anyway Question three, uh, what caused what caused Charles Schmidt and Richard Begenwald to be arrested? Answer was, they decided to show their pals the corpses that they killed and their, rightfully their disgusted friends called the police. What utter bellends. Question four, how much... Uh, question four, the average person contains how much muscles really bad question in weight so how much how much muscle do we each average have uh it's between 30 to 40 pounds of muscle uh question five how much meat does the average non-vegetarian person eat every year that is 70 to 100 pounds of meat a year obviously this depends on countries because uh, different countries eat more meat or do you know some are more kind of fish based or, or vegetable based um uh, so if you to eat the average human being uh over the course of your meals uh it would take you at least six months to eat a corpse uh which means on average we eat two people every year uh that would cut down the population problem wouldn't it if we started uh eating people uh question six it may come to that soon question six how much can you buy a cakey bit of eva how much can you buy a cakey eva porn portrait for on ebay i put in there it's uh you can get them for 10 pounds that is bullshit as if they did ever exist as we all know they would be priceless and i would own all of them rightfully so so I think that's it. I think that's me done. I've got nothing else to say. This is the problem with uh, lockdown. Is there's not a lot to discuss. We're all doing kind of just going through the motions, doing our things. Uh, so um, uh, keep yourselves busy. That's the secret at the moment. That uh, a lot of people are, who are struggling at the moment. The thing is, uh, people who are struggling, uh, it's because 
they're not focusing on a, a little routine and little routines are really important so uh for all of my friends i've mentioned this to them all of those who are struggling at the moment i say just just write yourself a routine it's really simple this is what i do every day write a routine make it varied it doesn't have to be something that ends in something uh, like it's not going to be something that leads to money it's not going to be something that leads to success or fame it's just to keep you busy so like when I when I'm struggling I write my little list and I, I make sure I only do an hour for each thing someone taught me this years ago which was uh, uh, do different things every hour and it keep, keeps the day varied like um, you know, I, I, I would do different writing projects but what I I do is like a, in the morning I do like a, like fifty minutes of creative writing, and when the fifth have your timer on and the timer's and you can see it counting down, so you have to you have to make sure you do like five hundred words and you go right I've done my five hundred words. It doesn't have to be anything amazing. It can be something shit makes no difference. Only you's going to see it. Give yourself a, a little break and then go right next hour ten o'clock. Right, I'm going to have uh, fifty minutes of reading. Go off read a book then give yourself another break and then go right i'm gonna uh, i want 50 minutes of walking so you go off give yourself a nice fast walk go on, just just different things throughout the day keep then like in the afternoon do you know research something go right i'm going to research something 90 percent of what you'll do would lead to nothing but you never know you'll probably like like i did that's where that's kind of where murder mile came from it was kind of it was just an exercise to to stop me from going mad and uh and now it's become my life. It's become my whole life as Murder Mile. But that, that was literally it. I was just like, it's not going to go anywhere. Let's just do it. And it turned into a tour. It turned into a podcast. There's some live stuff. It's And it's good now. It's become an income. But it, I think it worked because I didn't plan it to work. It was just something to keep me occupied uh, during a difficult patch. So so uh, we're all going through that at the moment. We're all going through changes. We're all, everything's difficult at the moment. So sit down, do your, do your lists of what, what you want to do that day. Keep to a time. Have have the, have a timer in front of you. It's really useful. Uh, and just stick to it. Be, don't go over. Don't go under. Just stick to it. And at the end of the day, give yourself a little treat. Mine was like a little cake. There'd always be a cake shop around the corner, and I go, "Hey, end of the day, well done. I've completed all my tasks. <sighs> go and treat myself to a cake." And it, it was—I wasn't doing major things, but you know what? It led to something in the end, and it and it and it it helped me. It really helped me. So that's all good. Uh, that's the end of uh, Murder Isle and how to get away with murder. Next week we've got episode one. 09 I think 109 or 110 I can't remember uh anyway we'll find out next week when I publish the episode I've got them all written down so that's that stay safe everyone be good enjoy yourselves don't worry about shit uh and that's that cool thank you very much uh be good bye bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with quince go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365 day returns Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.